Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. Hey, Dream Builder. This episode is powered by Design Crowd. Design Crowd is a website that helps entrepreneurs, startups, and small businesses get creative and quality designs from custom logos to business cards and even web designs. There's a community of over 900,000 designers from all across the world that's ready to bring your idea to life in as little as ours. So head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation and see what all the hype is about. What's up dream builder. We are back again with another episode that I am sure is going to excite you and hopefully ignite you to take action on whatever your dream is. And so without further ado, please help me in welcoming my brother, Mr. AD dolphin to the show. AD, you want to go ahead and say what's up to dream nation. Hey, Dream Nation. How you guys doing today? Y'all ready to make some more money? Man, absolutely. <laughs> we met to make money, impact, influence, and change the world like Let's you've do been able all. to do. So, man, I always love to give the proper introduction the way we start out. And the way that I do that is I compare us as entrepreneurs and thought leaders to superheroes. And why is because we're constantly flying around the world. We're putting on our cape and we're trying to solve the world's biggest problems. And so okay. you have been the epitome of that of solving some of the biggest problems in the world and so it's a blessing to have you on here but what we know is behind the man we know as superman there is that clark kent so what i want to ask you is behind the man that we know as ad dolphin behind that s on the chest who mm -hmm. is that clark kent well it's, it's it's a guy that works out every day and and goes to work every single day i show mm -hmm. up every day so like Clark Clint, he had to show up to his, you know, his regular job during the day, every day. And I, and, and I do that. Got it. Now, if you could take it all the way back now um, and learning about your journey, it's been an amazing one because you've done a lot of things from what I uncovered. I mean, you've had vending machines, you've had real estate businesses, you've done a lot of things. Were you always at a young age, an entrepreneur, or did this just kind of come out of frustration and feeling like you didn't have a lot of opportunity? Well, to be honest, it stemmed from my grandfather. My grandfather um, is John Dolphin, and uh, he had, um, they wouldn't, at the time, is between the 40s and 50s, and they wouldn't allow Black people to come to Hollywood. So he said he was going to bring Hollywood to South Central and to Black people. So he had the, um, he has the first business that was 24-7 in the United States, 
There was no other before 7-Eleven, before all these other businesses out there that go 24 hours out of the day. My grandfather did it first in the United States. Mm. And he did it with his record store called Dolphins Hollywood. So um, I really feel like his spirit is is within me. And as far as, you know, owning your own business, my sister owns her own business. My brother owns his own business. I own my own business. And, and we've been pushing like that from day one. Got it. So you were exposed to it at an early age, right? Was it was it ever like, hey, you're never going to work for someone else because you have the opportunity? Like, did your grandfather say that to you? Or were you just like, you were kind of a rebel as a kid, so you knew the structure wasn't your world? Um, I Definitely, my grandfather didn't mention it to me. I never met him because he, he died before, before I was born. Um, but I was definitely a rebel. I I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to work for someone else. It would have been absolutely impossible. <laughs> so what about your parents? Like when I, what I want to uncover is like at what point did you decide like I'm going to go try to change the world because it's easy to see it now, but early on what was that like for you as a young kid? Did you feel like you were an outcast? Did you feel like not a lot of people understood you? Or were you in a group of people that were early entrepreneurs? So you already <laughs> knew you had the lane for it. You just had to figure out your product. Man, I wish I had some of those stories. I just had a bad attitude. And it was just, <laughs> it was absolutely impossible. It was hard enough staying on the basketball team with my personality, let alone going out and working for someone. It just wasn't going to happen. It was absolutely not going to happen. I was a rebel who didn't have a cause at the time trying to find my way. And I just realized from my personality and who I was and what I was, that it was going to be hard for me to actually work for someone. Mm, got it. So what do you remember your first business that you started? Like your first adult business? Because obviously when people were kids, they, they could sell candy, things like that. But what was your first like for profitable business that you started? My first business was a vending machine company. Got it. And I started it because of the fact that I was like, wow, people make money doing vending machines, but they're not actually there working. You know what I mean? It was open 24 hours out, 24 hours out of the day, but you didn't necessarily have to be there. You just come by, pick your money, pick your money up and then, you know, uh, restock the machines. And that was it. So I thought that was amazing. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm all in on this one. And so I, I started that at the park I used to play basketball at, which was Memorial Park in Santa Monica. That was one of my first locations. And I went on to try to branch out to other locations from there. God, did you have any partners with it? Nope. Just me. Just you. And it was funny when I had it, I didn't even have a car. My mother was taking me to go. Uh, my mother was taking me to go like restock the machines and stuff. It was crazy. Wow. And then from there, you decided you wanted to like, what was the reason that you didn't just scale the vending machines? Because a lot of traffic in California. So you could have kept, you know, putting vending machines all across the city. Why did you decide to get out of that business? Well, I got out of the business because um, it was it was something going on with the city of Santa Monica. You know, I don't know exactly what it was, so I'm not going to put that totally on them. But when they found out it was me expanding within the area, um, they began to put the city attorney on me. They start, you know, start harassing my businesses and things like that. And it really, it, it, they made it really, really difficult. But to be honest, like sometimes things happen for a reason and push you in a different direction and it pays off for you in the end. Ultimately, I learned how to run a business. I learned how to conduct myself learn how to deal with other people, which was conducive for me starting my next business after that. 
Got it. And let's transition right into it. What was the next thing that you're like, okay, I've done this. I know I can at least build a little bit of a team. I can get right. customers. What are we going to next? So we're going, what we're going to, I actually started a business training business for kids. They teach kids how to play basketball, mm. but I was literally, I had about 150 clients and it was just me and, and I was killing doing it. And then I used all that money to start buying real estate, to start looking for other ventures to get into. I just started expanding, expanding. And I did extremely, extremely well in the tra teaching kids how to um, um, play basketball business. And then from there, what happened was I started, it was a, a, a beautiful transition. So I started, you know, after you conduct yourself and, and, and you move a certain way, people start asking, hey, what else do you do? Because they can't see, they couldn't realize like, I was doing so well just doing this. Right. Um, which actually I really was, but I noticed that that's what they were trying to piece together. And I was like, oh, I also do real estate. So then what happened was I started using other people's money to do flip real estate properties. And I was using, you know, some of the, um, uh, the wealthy people I was training their kids and things like that. I was using their funds to actually um, to do real estate projects. And it, it was a beautiful thing. So I was doing that and I was training at the same time and it helped me expand everything. And also I got the chance to inter 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 um, interact and talk to really, really successful people. And I learned so many beautiful nuggets from them. Got it. Now, the first thing that comes to my mind is for a lot of people right now, and they're, they're at the spot in life that they need to make a pivot, right? Where they they have a lot of uncertainty, whether it was voluntarily, you know, they left their job or involuntarily, they got furloughed because of the pandemic and everything else. So my question to you though, is a lot of people are nervous about, um, if they should go after for profit or passion for you, it seems like early on you identified that you wanted to go after the for profit. <laughs> was that, was that an intention? But I really liked it, but you know what? I think my passion is business. So it's mm -hmm. different. So I love developing businesses. I love seeing them grow. So that was, that was my whole thing. That was my passion. So I love that aspect of it. I know some people, they like knitting. This person like, you know, this person's a chef and things like that. No, mine's is more into the business part. I love that part. I went to school for business administration. So that was my whole thing. Got it. And that's interesting that you put that. I think that anybody that's now they can maybe breathe a little bit more to be like, yo, I love that because, you know, there's a disassociation with money. Right. Especially in the black community or any poverty stricken community, whether you're Hispanic or whatever, that you don't talk money a lot. And if you go too aggressive on the money side, people will call you arrogant or people will call you, you know, so for you, it seemed like early on, you didn't really care. You were just like, yo, I'm going to get this coin and I'm going to help people while I do it. But first and foremost, let's understand that I'm here to get my coin. Absolutely. 100%. I was definitely focused on doing good business. And when you do good business, it comes your way. Got it. So now we're going to go to the next part. And if you got any stories, you know, I always love stories. I love so I know stories. you do a lot of these <laughs> interviews. You've been on, obviously, Steve Harvey, Breakfast, because you've been interviewed a lot. So for me, I always love the stories of how someone came to the epiphany is because I think that that's where a lot of people can really relate to it. If you give that answer, but if you say how you came to that answer, I think a lot of people are like, man, that's exactly how I've been feeling. So I just don't want you to think that like, 
it's it's uh that you can't tell the stories of how you got there because I think a I, lot of people would love to hear them. I'll definitely begin to implement some of these stories. These stories is life changing. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so now we're gonna get into what you do now, which is you have started a supplement natural herbs company. Am I correct? Say it one more time because it kind of fluttered the sound. Got it. So now you've started a natural herbs company where you teach people how to have full body health and wellness. And how did you get into that? You know, because we're talking about real estate to now all of a sudden we're going to get into health. Like feels like we're all over the place. How did you find that opportunity? Um, um, so what happened was I was, you know, I began, I was playing basketball and I never had to, you know, I never had to um, watch my weight or do anything like that. So I had guys. So now I'm sitting behind a desk, you know, I'm working every single day. I don't get a chance to work out like I used to. So um, I had to start finding other ways to lose weight, which was which was something that I wasn't really familiar with. And I had a, a girlfriend at the time that introduced me to cleansing. And I had such an amazing experience. I was like, wow, I really like it. And I have this competitive, crazy personality where I said I started doing different cleanses, different people's cleanses. And I noticed something special about all of them. And having the business mind that I have, I was like, wow, what if someone made the ultimate cleanse? And that's what I, I set out to do. And I, and I honestly feel like I did that with the D-Herbs full body cleanse. And that was the beginning of D-Herbs. Got it. So talk to me. Like if we could break it down though, because a lot of people, what I heard from that was you found opportunity in products that were already selling, right? And then you said, how can I make this better? How can I take right. the opportunity that's already at hand and how can I scale it and make it better? And for a lot of people right now, that's thing, things that I've even told people, like you don't have to find, find the flaws in a product, right? If it's already selling, just find the couple of things that you think you can make better. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. So for you, was that something that you gained from mentorship from somebody else? Or you're just purely, that was your innate ability of like, nah, I think I can flip this and make it better. It's, it's okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So what it was is that I knew I would do it a little bit differently than everyone else. I was going to do put my spin on it. And I remember when everyone was saying, you're going to start a herbal company, you're going to start a herbal company. There's plenty of them out there. I said, well, they're not going to do it like us. And what I meant by that is as far as the advertising approach, most people try to figure out how they're going to be successful within a store. I was more or less interested in the internet. So that was, that was one thing that we completely changed. And then I also said that I'm going to go after radio and TV, which, I which I've done. And you don't see herbal companies going after those particular markets the way I went after them. So I knew I was going to do it just a little bit differently than everyone else. Got it. So for your mind, was it focused more on, listen, I'm going to make sure that I get the attention, the new currency, right? I'm going to make sure that I get the eyeballs and then the product will just, you know, Basically, what I'm asking is for a lot of people, they worry so much about their product. I got the best product in the world, but you can have the best product in the world. But if it's in the middle of a desert, right, it's like having the best billboard. Nobody sees it. It doesn't matter. So did you take that other approach of like, listen, my product's going to be good, just as good as anybody else and probably better. But I'm going to make sure that I focus on the marketing so everyone knows about it. So I, mine is probably twofold. I said, number one, we're going to have a great product. And that's what I set out to do because... Most uh, herbal companies, if the, you know, the capsules are gelatin, 
you know, our capsules are vegan. Um, there's fillers and binders in most people's products. Ours is 100% natural. It's just grounded up plants and, and, and things along those lines. So it's one, it's a, it's a quality, quality product. So the steps that we made as far as the product, no other company is going to do that. They're just not. It's too expensive to go that route. We're, we're more or less the Rolls Royce in that particular industry. So, and then I said, we're not gonna market like everyone else. I think one of the hardest things to do is to find out how to be popular within someone else's domain. That's crazy to me. Mm -hmm. Like, how am I, I, now I have to ask them, can I be there today? Hey, can I do this today? Can I do that? You, you really make yourself beholden to everyone else's rules aside from what you're trying to expire to do. So that's where I, that's where that's the reason why we went at it a little bit differently than everyone else. But it's funny, you know, a few years ago, I started seeing hearing Herbalife on the radio and I know they weren't there before because I was definitely there before them. So people are changing. Businesses are changing and then people are growing. Got it. Yeah, I mean, it's so crazy when you say, you know, trying to make yourself popular in someone else's space, like not a lot of people think like that. Um, but once you decide that, you know, this is, you're going to own your own lane and you're going to go out there and be different. That's when every, my, my broker, when I first started out in real estate, he would always tell me that money flows to the different, not to the similar, right? So figure out a way that you can be different. And then when you tackle that lane of how you're different, everything kind of comes to you. So let's transition. I think that one of the things that I found fascinating is that early on, you were able to build a relationship with Steve. How did you come to know Steve? Like, how did you, was that through a connection or did you know, hey, I'm trying to get into TV and radio and Steve's one of the biggest names out there. So that's who I got to target first. Um, I don't know what it was, but we just automatically gravitated to the Steve Harvey show. And I just love the way that Steve was so honest with everyone. He always spoke his mind. I just thought I, I love that about him and I wanted to be a part of that. And it was funny because um, when we first tried to get on the show, um, I'll tell you a story. So when we, this, 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 this is a good story. So when we first tried to get on the show and I always like to give entrepreneurs like real numbers. Yeah. So when, yeah. So when we tried to get on the show and we were trying to advertise on there for a month, cause that's usually what we do. They were, um, they wanted 150 thousand hmm. so at that and this is this is 2012 to advertise on the show and that's just the for one month to, one month one month so they wanted that and and i remember i just could not in my head believe that that would work out like i would pay that amount of money and then make that twofold and and, and it would come home i was like that is absolutely 100 percent impossible Cause I, you know, cause I was, that was my thinking. Yeah. You're you know limiting I mean? belief. It, that, they, and that's exactly what that was. So, um, so, and then, you know, and it was funny cause we had just came off a failure advertising play with the Ricky Smiley show. Not that Ricky wasn't great. We didn't do well on Ricky cause I love Ricky. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we didn't do well. And that was like a hundred thousand dollar play didn't go well. To be exact, with ninety six thousand, did not go well at all. So now Steve Harvey comes up, and um, they telling this it's one fifty. My brother, my brother, and an advertising company that I still use to this very day, named Ad Leverage, got the got the price down to a hundred. 
But even then, it was something, it was hard for me to fathom after just coming off of failure. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so, so we got it down to a hundred and I was, I was really, really hesitant. And I was hesitant in the sense that first, we didn't even have the money anymore. I didn't have it. I had only had 50 left, I had $50,000 left to my name. Mm. And um, Steve wanted me, Steve down to hundred and, um, and um, we wanted to do a different kind of advertising. So the way we advertise here at D'Urge is that we don't do any regular commercials. We only do in-station commercials. Do you, you know what an in-station commercial is? No, educate us. For, for, for people that don't know, it's just like Steve be talking to Shirley in mid-conversation, be like, hey, let's do D'Urge. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Hey, have you done D'Urge yet? Da, 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 da. So it's not alongside with all the other regular commercials. Got it. It's right. It's mid-station, in-station. It's happening at that very moment. You didn't get a chance to turn away from it. And you know what? Everyone got a chance to hear it. So we that's the only way we do it. And also for every radio station, we would also do interviews. So we would do two interviews, one in the beginning, one in the middle. And then we do in-station commercials throughout the other 28, 29 days. Got it. That's what we do. Yeah. So that's the way that we advertise. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't even have it. So I had the reason why you got to believe in yourself and you got to take these kind of chances because these can be life changing chances that you make. So I actually asked the advertising company that we were using on it. I said, Hey, you know, we really like the deal. We want to do the deal, but I want to, can I pay after the first two weeks? Mm. So after the first two weeks of the, of the campaign, I wanted to be able to pay 50 and then pay 50 at the end. The thing that was so amazing that happened for me taking that chance, going on the limb and realize it and knowing in my heart that that Steve Harvey, that was the right station for us to be on. And it was definitely different than the Ricky Smiley show. Um, the first day of the interview, that's cause that's how we start all campaigns. I made $56,000 that day. Mm. Every, every day afterward, I made $25,000 every single day until the mid mark. And then I do my interview again, made another 48,000. But it's, it's, it's those moments, anybody that's successful and you probably, ha- I, I know how successful you are in real estate. So I, you know what I'm talking about right now. Everybody has those kind of moments. It's those moments is, you know, you know, you got, you got, you, that's when you got to really pull out that S on your chest and really take a chance in life and, and, and put it all on the line. Like, are you here just playing or are you really trying to be here? And that's what I did. And it absolutely changed our business because, because of that relationship, they invited me to come do the Steve Harvey TV show a few years later. And trust me, the m- numbers that we're talking about on TV are light years ahead of the numbers on radio. And to change our business 100% by taking that leap of faith and going for it, it changed our business. Well, so I love it because I always say, and this is some, I've taken so many risks on myself and my wife has been behind me. So she has as well, but I always say it either has to work or it has to work, right? There can't be a plan B. <laughs> You, you, you got to burn the boats and that was what you did. But the other thing that I say, you always take the risk as long as it was a calculator risk. And my question to you is there in the back of your mind, if it did flop, what were you going to do? 
Like, did you have, you're like, yo, I got these credit cards that I'm going to open. Or I know I can hit my brother up and, and I'm going I'm to go back to the drum. Like, what was going to be if, if it didn't work? I've never had a plan B. Never. No, no plan B. I love it. Mm -mm. I just jump right. I just jump right out there, butt naked, and just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and see what happens. But to be honest, every time I've done it, it's worked out. Right. It's worked out. It's it's weird how that works. So, like you said, it was definitely a calculated guess. Um. So that was definitely what we went for, and it it I learned a lot. Because the, the the thing that I learned in there be, through my failure and through my win is that, okay, Ricky Smiley, they played more rap music there. And it was less talk there. Less talk and more rap. And then Steve was a little bit older audience. It was more R&B and it was more talk. So I also, I tend to feel like when there's more talk, people have more faith in the, in the host himself. Not that they don't have faith in Ricky. Like I said, I love him. But in Steve, they love Steve. They love right. Shirley Strawberry. They're like they really love, they feel like these people are a part of their family. And so that gave me the inkling, I need to go after stations like that. And that's what we began to do. So we already had our mold on how we wanted to advertise. So now all you have to do is take it to every single platform out there that we felt like they love the guests. And I mean, they love the host. And they were like, they loved everything he said. They believed the host. And that's what we did. And the thing that Steve did, which was a little unusual than other stations, and I always want to say like, say this, is that Steve said, before I allow you to come on the station to advertise, because they don't have to take me. There's right. a billion advertisers that are coming in and looking for those spots. He said before, I said, he said, send me the product. And he did, and he did the product. And once he did the product, he had success. He was like, okay, cool. I like this product. I'll introduce it to my audience. And that's what I loved about Steve. So Steve, not just out there blurting things just to be blurting it. He actually knows it can be beneficial to your body. And that's the reason why he got behind it. And he allowed me to come on the TV show. No, that's so fire. One question that I know, it sounds like early on, you always had the intuition of a business mogul. But at that moment, after you got done with Ricky Smiley, did you have a mentor, a consultant or somebody like that? Because a lot of the times for us, especially as entrepreneurs, it's hard to see the picture when you're in the frame. And so you said that you were able to step back, you were able to analyze, okay, he's playing a lot more rap music, whereas Steve, okay, I got, was there somebody else that was kind of in that like, okay, let's, because it's hard to think that you weren't thinking with emotion coming right out of Ricky Smiley that you're like, oh, I can't. But those are the times where it feels like you need a consultant or a mentor or somebody to say, hey, hold on, let's take the emotion out. Let's look at this logically. What Was there somebody like that for you or how did you gain that wisdom? So the, first through trial and error, definitely. But just me and my brother, my brother has a marketing degree. So me and him sat down and discussed it. And even though Ricky Smiley had the numbers, as far as the number of people that were listening, Steve just, it, it was, it's just such a different show. Like we, we listened to each show side by side because we knew that uh, Ricky Smiley would be successful based upon the numbers. But sometimes it's bigger than numbers. It's not about the numbers. Sometimes the numbers can be smaller in a certain area and you can do better over there opposed to the people with the millions upon millions of of listeners so it, it it's it's 
it's you got to look at it from, you know, what your product is about and really figuring out the demographic of people that you're really targeting. And are they there? Mm. No, I, I love that. And so from there, you were able to get on the show and you were able to sell products. Now, where, at what point did you really start to feel like, okay, I've made it, right? Do you remember, was there a time? Because I guess that early on when people seen you, they were like, okay, who's this guy? But after a while, they seen you on the show so much that it started to feel like, hey, he's a part of the show. I don't think I, I've, I, I think as an entrepreneur, you're constantly pushing yourself. And I'm sure you probably would say the same thing. Have we made it? I think, I think, I think life is a constant fight. And that's, and that's the way I constantly view it. I mean, I'm a constantly learning. You can learn from a third grader. You know what I mean? You just got to pay attention. I mean, you know, it, it's, I think we're constantly learning. I don't think we've ever really feel like we've made it because the world is constantly changing. So right. therefore, if you're not in constant change too, in constant learning mode, it's hard for you to really take in the information that you need to be successful and to continue to be successful. You know, we're not Coca-Cola yet by, by, by no means, but even watching Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola is still running commercials. Right, <laughs> you know? facts. Well, right now you ain't seeing as much because they got all these politic commercials that's going on, but that should stop in the next 24 hours. Right. There you go. And so it's I, what I notice. I'm, you know, I'm looking at people that's in my shoes, looking at people beyond me and I see what they're doing and I'm taking notes and I'm constantly learning. So I, I don't feel like I've made it in any way, shape or form. I'm constantly growing. I'm getting yeah. better, though. No, I, I love that, right? It's it's always a push, right? If to be grateful, you always got to appreciate where you are, but also where you came from, and that also means that you got to have that pull that pulls you through to where you're trying to go. And yeah, man, I, I love that you said that. I definitely don't think that I'll ever make it. Um, and sometimes I think that's to our own fault because it feels like you can never just relax, right? Man, I was, man, I'm tired. <laughs> I, I hear you there. So let's talk about. A lot of people, they, they want to, they want to get better health and wellness. Right. And for you, right. you've educated people over the last, what, 16 years. How yeah. long have you been doing this? About 16, 16, 16 years. So you've educated people over the last 16 years about understanding the, the value in full body cleanses. Right. So let's talk about like, what exactly is a full body cleanse for people that don't know? And why should they be looking at doing it? So the D-Herbs Full Body Cleanse, basically what it's about, it's about cleaning out all your major limitative channels. That's your gallbladder, your heart, your liver, your colon, your spleen, your lungs, your kidneys, your adrenal glands, your blood, and your skin. It's going to help you flush out the impurities in those particular areas of your body so your body can perform on a higher level. Along with that, I always tell people, you can't eat the same foods that gave you the notion to cleanse during your cleanse. So you got to make a dietary change. The change that we ask people to make is a raw food diet. So on raw food, that's fresh fruits, vegetables, raw nuts, and raw seeds throughout your 20-day experience. And if you do that, along with taking the capsules, you will 100% change your life in 20 days. Mm. Now, so you're, are you vegan? Uh, I do the uh, vegan, pescatarian. Uh, sometimes I go raw, so I'm always constantly moving. Always. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong at because they think that you just said it was 20 days when I right. was originally and you're educating me. I'm like, man, how long do I got to do that? Right. Because I'm like for 45 and I've been having the pleasure that just like you, when you're playing ball, like 
I, I have just a natural fit that I can kind of eat what I want. But I just went to the doctor within the last year and she was like, listen, now you're over <laughs> the age of 30. So I'm gonna be honest, I get it. But internally, right, you can't see what's going on, but it'll catch up with you real quick. Hey, Dream Builder, if you're anything like me, you have no idea how to come up with a quality logo or even a creative design. You know that quality is important, but it's not always the easiest to nail down, right? That's where Design Crowd comes in. Whether it's a logo, a website, book cover, or even a social media ad, they have a community of over 900,000 professional designers around the world ready to help solve your creative problem. Head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation to learn more. And just for being a part of the dream nation tribe, you're going to receive a special VIP offer when you sign up of up to $150 credit. Now, instead of waiting weeks for an agency to pitch you an idea, you'll be able to get a design of exactly what you need within just three days. So again, head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation and check it out. Yeah, it's a lot of people falling off the planet that look good on the outside, but mm. what counts is what's going on on the inside. And within the D-Herbs Full Body Cleanse, it gives you an internal shower. And so it's going to help you flush out all those impurities. So you'll feel good. Some of the, the benefits you'll tend to see is weight loss between 10 to 30 pounds, depending on the condition of your body, a huge boost in energy, stronger immune system, clearer skin. You'll be able to focus and concentrate a lot better. It's, it's, it's a life changer. It's, I always tell people it's not everything because everything is you changing your lifestyle, but it can be the beginning of everything for you as far as getting on a healthier path. Hmm. And so how long afterwards, how often do, do you recommend somebody to do these cleanses? Um, I always tell people, at least do it once. And when you do it once, you'll get this certain feeling about yourself and it's 100% will be there. And when it begins to dwindle because of your eating habits or whatever you're doing in your life, you'll know when you need to do it again, but at least do it once or twice a year. Got it. And how soon do you think that I'll start to feel better? So if it's and like by day seven, you got to give it seven days. By day seven, you'll start to feel a little bit. Or is it what what does that look like? Well, some people feel it. Some people feel it within day two. It just depends on are you ready for it mentally? Are you ready? Because sometimes the eating restraint really affects people mentally as far as, you know, them really committing to the process. But if you can stay with it between six to seven days. You, you'll never feel that good and you won't have that much energy. You'll feel like you're 12 years old as far as energy levels and you'll be running around and, and loving life. Got it. How big is environment for that? Because I know for a lot of like myself included, I was going to try to, uh, to, to go vegan. Right. And, but the yeah. problem is my wife, she ain't trying to hear none of that. <laughs> Like she just like none of that. So it's so hard to come home. Just like you just said, it's hard to heal in the same environment that makes you sick. Right. And a lot of times they're talking about addictions and all that. So how the wife how gonna get you for that? She gonna What'd you say? She's going to get you for that. <laughs> but she knows she look, she ain't got no shame in her game. She, you go do yours. And I'm like, but no, we got to all do it together. So how important is environment for this? Or can you or is it like, no, just buy your own stuff. You'll be OK. I think it's huge. Sometimes I always tell people, lead by lead by example. That, you know, you waking up, jumping out of bed, ready to go do all the work, having a ton of energy, looking good, looking great. Sometimes that inspires others. So lead by the example. Don't worry, don't worry about your environment. Just get up, do your thing, and 
they'll catch up. Everybody ultimately wants to feel good and look good. And if they see you feeling good and looking good, they're going to want to join that team for sure. Got it. Now for you, I guess what still keeps you going and excited because you talked about, you know, you, you'll never be content with where you are. What, what still keeps you going? Is there a new product? Is there a new wave that you feel like you're going to be able to tackle with the younger generation? What's that look like for you? Um, um, so we're always looking for different opportunities. So D herbs is not just our herbal company. There's, we have a real estate company within the business. Um, um, what does that other, mean? So, so like, are you buy buying warehouses or? No, we buy real estate property throughout the uh, United States. Okay. You, just so, multifamily. Mm, apartment units, apartment buildings. Yep. Got yeah, it. Yeah. So we just last year in Macon, Georgia, we bought 144 units. Wow. And Is that, so, that's your first major deal like that? Like over 100 units? Yes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we have a bunch of other ones, but as just one unit, I think that that biggest one, which was one of those was 98 units. So, yeah. Wow. So, you know, just moving on and then learning about that business. I didn't, you know, we, we felt like we could manage it and we could do this. And, and we were absolutely wrong. <laughs> you can't do nothing. You in LA trying to manage something from Macon, Georgia. Nah, you need an arm out there. You know what I mean? So, so like I said, you're constantly learning. And, and every business is different. How you market it, how you go about dealing with it, you know, the elements of it, they're all so different. And that's the one of the beautiful things about them that I like them. I love them so much. It's, mm. it's just crazy. I love so, it. So would you consider yourself a serial investor? I wouldn't say I'm a serial entrepreneur. Because I used to do the investing, but I realized people don't necessarily have the same passion as you. And, and they're not going to do things if you just give them the money. I won't do anything by just giving someone some money. Now, I might split it with you. I'll be interested in that concept because now you, you got to have something to lose. Someone, someone taught me that a lot. You got to have a foot in the race. If you right. don't have a foot in the race, then I, I'm not... We're not doing it. I'll do, do it. I do, do it with you because now you got something to lose. You got to have something to lose. And that's been my thing. So I, I stay with that, that system for, for me. Got it. And the reason why I asked about that, because I think a lot of people, they struggle with if they want to be the face or if they want to be the brains behind the business. For you, it seems like that you never really cared, at least the vibe that I get, is that you never really cared about being the face, but you love the intuition behind the business. You were going to be you regardless, but you wanted to see this thing grow, prosper, and potentially even if there's an exit strategy five, ten years down the line, that's what we talk about. Right. But how has it been easy or have you ever had any businesses? That's why I said serial investor to where you say, look, I don't want to learn that business, but I do think that there's a huge business opportunity, essentially like Shark Tank, that you've been like, you know what, I'm a, I'm going to take a chance and invest in this as long as I don't got to do the work. Right. But even in Shark Tank, they're not giving them the money. They're not. They're diving into their business and they're going to fix all the problems that exist there so those people can manage it and run it properly. And trust me, they're going to keep an eye on their money and check on their money and see if they're doing the systems are in place. So there's levels of investment. No one just gives you the money and say, I see you. But I come back for it in a year. They just don't do that. Mm. No one does that. But initially, when I started, I was doing that. And it was 100 percent. I've, I've failed 
<laughs> so many times doing that. So unless I'm interested in the business and plan on having a hand in it in some way, shape or form, that's the only way I'm doing it. Got it. And so what, what I guess interests you, if someone was to say, Hey, you know what, we want to come and, and we want to pitch AD. We think we have a huge opportunity here. What are the things that you look for um, in a business, especially in the e-commerce space, which is the space that you're kind of in now, you know, being primarily online, where do you think that entrepreneurs go wrong at, or at least ones that pitch you, what don't they have? I, you know, the entrepreneur that drives me crazy because I started D-Herbs for $3,000. Mm. So the entrepreneur that drives me crazy is that there's this, they just have a piece of paper with stuff on it, opposed to what have they done with their business thus far? That's important to me. Okay, what have you accomplished now within your means? What have you done? What are the systems that you've already proven out? What is the marketing plan that you see because of the things that you've already attempted so far? Not this fictitious place and all these, these, these thoughts and, and all this stuff that you think may work. What have you done that you know works currently? Do you have a website or, you know, do you understand SEO? Like, where are you? What's your level of understanding of what's going on? Just coming to me with a piece of paper with a business plan is 100% a complete waste of time. Mm. I won't even, I won't even look at it. Got it. So you want to see results. You want to see results. I want to see, a, I want to see what you've done thus far. It doesn't have to be super major. But let's just say you had a thousand dollars. Okay, what did you do with your thousand dollars? How how do you know this is going to work that you're saying is going to work? Have you invested in you? That's those are the things I really want to know. Got it. Have has there been a business venture that you thought you were a hundred percent gonna succeed in and, and it just didn't it didn't go right? Has there been this one that you was like, I know I got it here besides the <laughs> yeah. herbs? Yeah, all of them. <laughs> but, uh, but the last one, the last failure we had, we had a, it's funny too, because we were on the Oprah show because of it. it. I can't remember. It was a lady that was, I think mine, it was a show called mind your business and, um, mind your business on the Oprah show. I can't remember the host, uh, the lady that hosted the show. It came on for two years, but we were part of their first year. I owned a popcorn company. This lady made amazing, amazing popcorn. And I was like, oh, I can't lose on this. I put it online. I do, you know, I don't even have to be there. This is easy. Man, that business, man, we went through hell on that business. And that lady just, and just knowing and understanding partners and having partners and, and moving in your business, those things are really, really crucial as far as that. Now, the lady was an absolute doll, loved her. She was an angel. She didn't understand business at all. She so did where not. did the business go wrong at? Like, because obviously the the money was probably there to scale. What what happened? What meant bad? She didn't know how to scale, and that was the that was the issue. So a lot of her recipes they weren't really recipes, and that's where I got a I got I learned something. They were more or less concoctions. Mm. So she was using this person's <laughs> stuff over here and that person's stuff over here and bringing it all together. But it was nothing that she actually, it wasn't an actual recipe. It was just concoctions. And it took me a while to understand that she didn't really have the, what I thought she had, she didn't really have at all. Got it. So, yeah. so, you know, and it was funny. It's Aunt Emma's popcorn, man. I swore that was going to work out. 
Man, Look, but there's always another opportunity around the corner. My yeah. thing, I guess my thing to you, my next thing though is for a lot of people right now, they might be stuck and they're like, man, I feel like I'm in that same opportunity as well where I got this partner and it feels like it's going nowhere fast. How did you know when it was the right time to pivot and get out? Did you give yourself a six month grace period in the beginning? Or was it like, if I lose money tomorrow, I'm out? Um, this is probably crazy. It was it was my relationship with her and her lack of understanding of business where I said, it's over. It's time to go. You got to walk away. We're going to lose on this one, but we learned on this one. And I learned a lot. I understand what a recipe really is. <laughs> it's not some, some concoction. And I, I learned that if I don't plan on being there some way, shape, or form, then I'm not doing the business. So that yeah. was the lesson that I took from that. And, Cost me about 150000 but I'll take it. And uh, time to move on. Wow. And that's that's so powerful. A lot of people, they, they just don't know how to pivot out of it. And so I'm glad that you shared that because I think you have to go with your intuition. My, my question about that, though, and I'm sure somebody's wondering is, was one of the lessons that you learned that you had to make sure that you set the right expectations up front? And the reason why I say that is because for a lot of people, when they hire a partner, they partner for their weaknesses, or at least the way that we've learned it. So for you, if you were the business sense, did you not know that she wasn't the business sense going in? And if so, like, wasn't that where you were supposed to balance her out? Yeah. And, and you know what? And she raised that question, I, but this is the problem. So everything you're saying is 100% on the money, but I didn't plan on being there every single day. And that was one of my fatal mistakes. And unfortunately, just communicating what you need to happen and see is not enough because sometimes people are incapable of doing that because of whatever reason. Like one of the things with her is that one thing I said, you got to open this business up every single day at the right. same time. And you got to close it at a certain time because that's how you develop trust within your customers. And secondly, you got to deposit the money every single day. So therefore we can know by the end of the month what this business, the limitations of the business. She was walking around with thousands of dollars in her pocket and we like, you ain't made no money this month. She's like, oh no, I got it right here in my purse. I'm like, okay, I don't know. So it is, is these different levels of understanding of what business is and what needs to be conducted so you can get to the next level. And, to this, and she was incapable of doing that consistently. She got just it. She, she must have heard the story about your grandpa in the 40s and the 50s. So she said, we're going to start this 24 hours. We're going to get as close to this 24 hours as we can. Right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she was she, she was tough. But, you know, to this very day, we're still friends. And I just said it didn't work out. Yeah. Okay. Always lessons. And so I love that you shared that. Let me ask for you. Do you read a lot? Like, is there do you, are there business books or, or books that you always turn to, to to try to gain more wisdom? God, I wish I was to say I was that guy. Uh, I wasn't, and I'm still not. Um, as far as like, you know, I know people read. Um, it's just funny. I was just asking about it. I think um, Rich, Rich Dad, Dad Poor Dad. Yeah, just just all the and people always ask me, did I read this? Did I read that? 
I think God gives everybody gifts. I mm. swear, I just, whether or not it's tying shoes, whether or not it's playing basketball, whether or not it's quarterback and passing the ball, my gift ultimately was understanding business. And I understand it to a T. I can walk in any business and figure it out. Mm. Figure it out. What's the high? What's the moments? What's this? What's that? So that was my personal gift. Anyone else, I would definitely tell them, reach for, you know, literature that's going to help you understand what's going on, the ins and outs of it. I think but in, in, in business, obviously, there's monetary gains value. So we know what the end result is. If you have a successful business, it's a profitable business. It's an impactful business. It's a business that has high retention rates, customers, employees, everything. But if somebody's trying to do something that is not revolved around business, the hard thing is they start to, like you mentioned, a painter or an artist or whatever earlier, they struggle with understanding how do I monetize this? Right. Cause I can, I can love the Steve Harvey show and, and I aspire to be like Steve Harvey, but I don't necessarily know how I can monetize. Like, I don't even know where Steve's money comes from. So that backside of it is I think where a lot of people get lost. Is there any light that you can shed on that? Or like for that person, that's not solely focused on business. How can they know that at the end it's going to work out in some type of monetary form? So they wow. don't want to go bankrupt. Great question. Um, that's the hardest part, mm. learning how to make your gifts work for you. And a lot of times you may not even be the person that can learn how to make it work. It might be John or it might be, you know, Tom or, or someone else next to you that helps you get there. But some way you got to find some way to get there. Um, in my case, I needed different tools. I needed someone that can help me stay in line and stay focused. And, and then as far as my brother, I needed him to help me finish, help me finish all everything because finishing is so important in life. Um, so I, I, what I went out is I found those people that can help me, you know, uh, stay the path. And yeah. I just think, I think that a lot of people have to find what their weaknesses are and look for those other people that can maybe help them get there because you may not, you may not have that ability or you might be able to read up on it and do all those different things and, and be able to accomplish it that way. You know, I don't know if that's always possible. Mm. I don't know if that's always possible. I think people are blessed with what they're blessed with and people can learn what they can learn, but some things are really, really difficult for them. And you may have to get help and seek help in other aspects of it so you can form that business and put it together. Mm. I love that you said that. Understanding what your gift is, right? I think that I was someone who struggled with that as well. And I say I'm always evolving into it because when you're, a lot of people that are entrepreneurs, they feel like they have multiple gifts, right? And And you feel like you're always all over the place. And so, then you're trying to hone it in and you see somebody that's very successful and you're like, that's exactly what I want to do. But it's, you don't see the backside of it, which is, this is exactly how I monetize that. And here's that Tom, that bill, that whoever it was for me, here's how you find them. Did you have the little kid in school that was always in college, right? That was always talking about numbers or business that you go find a way to partner with him. Maybe you give him 50%, like no one talks about that. Right? right. So right. that's the, the backside of it that I try to uncover for people that says, you know what, I do have a gift, 
but I don't know what to do with this gift. Right, right. So. But it's, it's kind of like you said, it's, it's funny how you can surround yourself with certain circles and people can enlighten you on and give you ideas and, and thoughts and, and how they do it and, and how you can use it. Because I don't think it's hard for people to do it exactly the same as other people. You have to do it the way you can do it. But you can take some of their information and mold it into a way, shape or form that you can conduct your business. Mm, I love it. What's the number one thing you think that you've learned over these last, let's say five years, because you're always evolving and what you know now, I know it's it's taken an accelerator. What's the number one tip that you think that you've learned that's allowed you to accelerate your business? Two. So it's two things that I learned how to be successful. Um, number one, what I would say is I learned something from my mother. So when my mother, my mother went to work every single day, she didn't miss. She mm. never missed. If that woman was sick, she didn't care. She still, she still went to work every single, she, every day she went to work. So with her, I learned consistency because I watched her grow. She didn't graduate college. She still moved up in her company. She still became, you know, she was one of the higher executives. She just kept moving up. It's because she was consistent. They could trust her. She worked hard. She kept going. Now, the second thing I learned is from my father. Father's a dreamer, big dreams, and accomplished a lot. You know, my father had polio as a kid, but he got a track scholarship. Mm. So this is like like this. He graduated uh, graduated from San Jose State in the math and science department. He used to work on the space shuttle. So with him, I would ask my father, like, I would ask him, like, is this possible? Can I do this? Is he would look me dead in my eye and say, son, you can absolutely one hundred percent do it. All you got to do is put forth the effort. So what I learned is being persistent and consistent. You can accomplish anything in life. It's truly up to you. And do you really, really want to be there? And that's the one, that's the thing that I learned from my parents. And the thing that's so special about that is that anyone can do that. Right. Anyone can. They always say, well, this guy has so much talent. The guy who works hard is going to be the guy with talent if the guy with talent don't work hard, Facts. period. Facts. You know what I mean? Michael Jordan's a great basketball player. He was super talented, but he worked his butt off. Oh, yeah. LeBron James is a great basketball player, super, you know, super athlete, but he worked his butt off. If you If you don't put in the work and you're not consistent and persistent about your gifts and about your goals, you can't accomplish anything. And that's what it's all about. No, I love it. I love it. Persistence and consistency. You can accomplish anything. anything. I just, we we're coming up on the end and this has been so valuable, so much wisdom. And I definitely appreciate you. I just got two final questions that I want to ask. The first one is looking at your journey, going back at least these last 16 years. And I know you can go back even further, but if there's one thing that you would have changed or that you wish you would have implemented sooner to accelerate your path and your journey, what's that thing that you wish you would have done? Now, this part is crazy. I would say absolutely nothing. Every failure led me here. Every single one. But for some, and I, and I, I should have prefaced it the right way because okay, normally okay, I preface it the right way. And I say that exact thing that I say, I know a lot of people say that they, they wouldn't have changed anything, but for the person that it. takes heed and they say, look, if you say, look, kid, if I would have known this 10 years ago, I would have been miles ahead. If you take heed to this, 
you already got one nugget, which is persistence and consistency, mm-hmm. right? Consistency. What's that? Okay. What's that other thing that you would have done on your journey to accelerate? So on our journey, so we were doing radio with Kathy Hughes. So Kathy Hughes, you know who Kathy Hughes is, right? Yeah. yeah. Like radio, TV one, radio one, all of those things. My brother came to me and he was like, I want to run an ad on the Kathy. Because this is how we started. Before Steve Harvey, we started with Kathy. So he was just like, I want to run an ad on the Kathy Hughes. Um, I think it was, um, I'm going to think of the other radio host that we were going after at the time. But um, so he wanted to run some ads there. And he told me the same plan I just spoke about, two interviews, live reads throughout. And um, he said it was going to cost $12,000. At the time, our company had only generated, we only made about 60000 a month. That's what we made a month. So $12,000 is a significant amount of amount right. money to take a chance on. So my brother, he stayed on me. So it was 12000 I said, absolutely. There's nowhere in the world. I would never do that. Da, 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 da. I'm just running off at the mouth. Then he came back. He said, they'll do it for eleven five. I was like, man, there's no way. I can't see it. I was like, how are we going to make that money back? It's just absolutely impossible. And then he he just he just stayed on me. I said, okay, look. He kept coming after me every week. The price was changing. He said, I said, look, if you get on the ten thousand, I'll take a chance. He came to me maybe about three weeks later. It was ninety five hundred. I said, forget it. Let's take a chance. Immediately when we implemented our plan to do it on the way we wanted to do it on radio, our business doubled overnight. We went from sixty thousand a month to one hundred and twenty thousand. So what I would say is that. You have to surround yourself around with people who don't think like you, who don't have, you know, who, who see life a little bit differently. And my brother definitely sees life differently than me. And that's the reason why we were such a great team. You know it. what I mean? And yeah. just being open. So I wasn't open. Like I said, when we talked about Steve Harvey, I wasn't open, but I was willing to try. You know what I mean? When I got right. into amount, I was like, okay, I'll try. But just by trying, help me get here. And that's what it's all about. You got to stay open. And sometimes your beliefs aren't the beliefs. You never know what can happen. You never know what doors you're opening up, windows you're opening up that you can possibly go through. And it can change your business. And it did. Love it, man. I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm sure someone else that can maybe resonate with that that says, man, over the last three months, six months, have I really been open? Right. right. Have I have I really, you know, I'm I'm listening, but am I really hearing it? Right. right. That's 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 a whole nother thing. Yeah, people usually tripping on their stuff. You know what I mean? The stuff, whatever your beliefs, whatever you consider a lot of money. Right. You know what I mean? Whatever, you know, those things, th- those are all your hangups. Right. You know what I mean? Has has nothing to do with anything else. So it's it's about that. No, I love it. The last question that I got for you, my man, is there's somebody out there that is listening to this, they're super inspired by your journey. They want to stay connected with you and they want to blaze a path that's similar to something that you've done, but they have that little voice in their head and that little voice says they're not strong enough, they're not smart enough, or maybe they just don't have enough resources. What's the one thing that you would leave them with to get them to just take action? Uh, Man, I mean, I think we all face some self-doubt within you know and i just think it's 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 so important to figure out and always to like i write down my goals write down what you're actually trying to accomplish 
And if your heart is truly in it, you got to look around. You got to look under every rock, around every corner. You know, you got to open every door and every every window to go forward and move towards that goal. So I would always tell people, if that's what you really, truly want to do, and you're willing to go through hell and back to get it, then go for it and don't look back. There you have it. There you have it. Remember, Dream Nation, if you really want it, you can have it. But you have to take action because otherwise that dream that you have will only merely be a fantasy. For anybody that wants to stay connected with you, where can they find you at? Oh, so Instagram is ADDolphin. That's A-D-D-O-L-P-H-I-N. Or you can find me on D-Herbs, uh, which is uh, D-Herbs, D-H-E-R-B-S. So any pretty much any platform out there. If you look up those names, you'll find us. Got it. All right. Well, we'll make sure we put all those links in the show notes. But if no one else has told you, I want to be the first one today to kick off the thank you train and say, I appreciate you, my man. That's all we have for this one. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. Great interview. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.